0: So from chapter 25 of 1 Corinthians 7. Now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for you to remain as you are. Are you married? Do not seek a divorce. Are you unmarried? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you this. What I mean, brothers, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they had none, those who mourn as if they did not, those who are happy as if they were not, those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep, and those who use things of this world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone thinks he is acting improperly towards the virgin he is engaged to, and if she is getting on in years, he should feel he ought, and he feels he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. He is not sinning. They should get married." But if the man has, who has settled the matter in his own mind, who is under no compulsion but has control over his own will and who has made up his mind not to marry the virgin, this man also does the right thing. So then he who marries the virgin does right, but he who does not marry her does even better. A woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, he is free, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. In my judgment, she is happier if she stays as she is. And I think that I too have the Spirit of God.
1: Uh, Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we want to thank you so much for this um, uh, interesting passage from Scripture. We pray that uh, by your word and spirit that uh, it would shape our thinking about life and about the future and about uh, how we live now. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, In the movie Back to the Future 2, an almanac, uh, that is a book containing all of the sporting records, for sporting results for about 30 years, gets transported back into the 1950s and into the hands of the buffhead of the series, Biff, who then, with that knowledge of the future... Uh, uses that knowledge to guide all of his investment decision-making at the bookmakers and becomes filthy rich. Now, if you had the miraculous ability to know what will happen in the future, uh, would that knowledge change the way that you behave now? Some people might say, "Nah, no, I just do life exactly the same. But for many of us, uh, if we had knowledge of the future, we would organise our life in the light of that knowledge, Uh, investing our resources in things which we know will turn out for the good, as opposed to wasting our time and our efforts. Now, as Christians, this is not just a fantasy, because uh, there are important things about the future that God has revealed to us, and uh, that is knowledge which really should be shaping uh, the way we live and the decisions that we make uh, in the here and the now, now uh, in today's passage, uh, this is an issue that uh, comes up It does so in the um, kind of interesting and maybe unexpected uh, way where Paul is addressing a, a an issue uh, about marriage and most particularly about singleness. Uh, it's something which the Corinthian Church had written to Paul about. And uh, it's a bit like reading someone else's mail. Uh, They've written a letter to him, but we're only reading the letter that he's uh, written back to them. And so we've got to kind of read between the lines a little bit to know the issues that he's addressing. But he starts out in verse 25, if you care to have that open in front of you, uh, by making this statement now about virgins. That's the topic. Uh, Apparently, the Corinthians have raised an issue uh, in their letter to Paul about girls who are not yet married. And then the whole passage is about whether or not Christians should get married, um, particularly if they're actually engaged to one another. That sounds like it's a bit of a strange issue for us, doesn't it? I mean, after all, marriage is a gift from God... Um, the one flesh union between a man and a woman is God's design for the creation of children and families. Why would this be an issue which needs to be addressed? Now, as is uh, often the case in the New Testament letters, it's, uh, the, the background issue here is false teaching that was going on. And as we saw last week, there were some in the Corinthian church who believed that there was something uh, wrong with sex... Um, Now, sex outside of marriage uh, is always sin. But they were saying that even married couples should refrain from sex or even break off that relationship in order to somehow be more spiritual, that there's something more spiritual about the celibate lifestyle for married people. Now, of course, it's nonsense, (laughs) Because the, I mean, the, who is the truly spiritual person? Well, the truly spiritual person is the person who puts their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and who lives with Jesus as their Lord. And in the context of marriage, Paul addressed last week, actually serves their spouse, uh, even in that um, in that intimate area of life. But what about the virgins? That is, what about the young women who are, um, they've never been married before, but they are engaged. Uh, So they're not exactly single because they are engaged, but they're not exactly married yet. And what about the men to whom they are engaged? Well, it seems that this wrong spirituality in the Corinthian church Meant that um, Christians in that situation might, might have been feeling pressured to, to break off their engagements um, in order to be more spiritual. Um, verses 25 to 28, he says, Now about virgins. I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who, by the Lord's mercy, is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for you to remain as you are. Are you married? Do not seek a divorce, are you unmarried? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you of this. Notice that Paul is not laying down any laws here. He's saying this is this is not a command, uh, but this is ra- this is godly wisdom. There is a difference between the two. And he wants people to remain just as they are. If you're engaged, then stay that way. If you're single, then same deal. Now, why? Well, he gives his reasons, actually. His reason in verse 26 is because of the present crisis. Did you notice that? Because of the present crisis. Crisis? What crisis? Uh, Well, again, this is one of the problems with reading other people's mail. We don't know for sure... What that crisis was. In chapter 11, you know that passage about the Lord's Supper? Uh, we do glean from that that there were a lot of people in that congregation who were sick and that some people were dying. Um, is that the crisis? Uh, there's also evidence, some scholars like uh, Bruce Winter, for example, who spoke at our getaway weekend a few years ago, he's actually a, uh, a, a leading scholar in this area, uh, and they have, uh, present- people like Bruce Winter have presented evidence that there was a famine at the time uh, which had caused a series of acute uh, grain shortages in Corinth and had, uh, as a result of that had created um, social unrest. Perhaps that's the crisis. It's speculation. But it's an important issue because if we ignore the words present crisis... It sounds like Paul is just being a little bit anti-marriage in this passage, which is not the case. If we ignore the words present crisis, then we fail to see the pastoral love and care that Paul is expressing. Because what is the natural outcome of pre- proceeding from engagement to marriage? What's the natural outcome of that? Babies. And family. Uh, In the Western world, we uh, generally don't live in a time of present crisis, but we have in the past. Uh, um, uh, Imagine you're a young single person in your late teens or early 20s uh, living in the 1920s, uh, in the Great Depression, and you're unemployed, but you're engaged. Is that a good time to? Uh, move forward with marriage? Is that a good time to start having children and, and family to bring kids into the world? Or would it be better to wait till the economy improved, the present crisis was over, to a time when you can get a job and you can support your family? Paul says, because of the present crisis, remain as you are. It's not a command, it's, it's just... It's just advice. It's godly advice. Because in verse 28 he warns, he, he, he says that I want to spare you the troubles which will result. Have a look at verse 28 because I think there's an interesting issue here. In verse 28 he, uh, he says that um, those who marry will face many troubles in this life and I want to spare you of this. I think it's useful to note that the words troubles of this life are better translated as troubles of the flesh, uh, that is troubles, uh, the troubles which, um, uh, regarding to things which we need for life and I think that that's a helpful thing to point out because he's not saying that they should never get married because in this life there are troubles as opposed to the next life. Uh, he's not saying that. Uh, it's about the present crisis. But but Paul's reason for them staying single, it's actually completely different from those that are telling them that celibacy is more spiritual. Completely different reason. Because in verse 28, uh, if the couple does get married, then guess what? They haven't sinned. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not a wrong thing to do. It's not unspiritual. They are free to get married. Now, Paul fleshes out this um, principle a bit more in verses 36 to 40, uh, where he raises a couple of different scenarios, a couple of different situations. Um, Firstly, uh, in verse 36, uh, he raises the situation where a man is engaged to a young lady, a, a virgin, and he feels that he ought, uh, that he ought to proceed um, to the wedding. And the reasons that he feels he ought to proceed to the wedding are, firstly, because he thinks that he is not acting honourably towards her. Now, what does that mean? Uh, Does it mean that he's um, taking things a bit too far physically? That's what some might suggest. Uh, It may also be because the engagement has already gone on for too long (laughs) and that it is longer than that which is appropriate um, for the girl uh, in their situation of life. Uh, But the second reason that Paul does outline there. Uh, is that, uh, he, um, that the sexual temptation has become too strong. And so if that's the case, uh, if he feels that he's acting improperly towards the virgin he's married to and if she's getting along in years and if he feels that he ought to marry, um, then what should he do? Well, he should do as he wants. They should get married. Now this is good pastoral advice for young engaged Christians, uh, Christian couples today. Um, My view, and it's not a command, my view is that um, uh, if you've made the decision to marry each other, then unless there is a present crisis, uh, get married sooner rather than later. Um, Get out your calendar, Uh, find a, a time in the near future when you can hold a wedding and a and a honeymoon, practically, set the date and go for it. Um, because you've already made the decision to get married. Uh, rather than dragging on uh, an engagement and uh, subjecting uh, yourselves to sexual temptation. Because what's important is actually your holiness. That's the important thing. However, notice what Paul says in verse 37. Uh, Let me read it for you. In verse 37 he says, But the man who has settled the matter in his own mind, who is under no compulsion, but has control over his own will, and has made up his mind not to marry the virgin, this man also does the right thing. Do you kind of get the impression there that Paul's saying, so long as he's doing it of his own accord... (laughs) So long as he's not being pressured by those in the Corinthian church who are saying that you're more spiritual if you do it if you break off the the, the, the relationship. You get that impression? Four times Paul emphasises the fact that this person has made up his own mind that he's not under compulsion from someone else. He's not staying choosing to stay unmarried just to please those who falsely teach that celibacy is more spiritual. So, in verse 38, uh, he who marries the virgin does the right thing, but he who does not marry does even better. Well, why does he do better? (laughs) If it's neither here nor there, in terms of spirituality, well, probably because of the present crisis and the practical considerations. Think again of the couple choosing to get married during the Great Depression. Now, secondly... Paul also raises the issue of older single Christians. Uh, in the first century, an older person who is single would usually be a widow rather than a widower, although both um, were um, obviously um, issues. But uh, more commonly, it would be a widow. Um, verse 39, "'A woman is bound to husband as long as he lives,' But if, she, if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes. But he must belong to the Lord. In my judgment, she's happier if she stays as she is. And I think that I too have the Spirit of God. Now that last comment might be a jibe against those in the Corinthian church who are saying, "Well, oh, Paul was all, all that spiritual. Um, and contrary to what they seem to have taught, um, the widow is absolutely free... <laughs> to marry again. Um, Paul's opinion is that um, remarriage could complicate her life, so she might be better off not remarrying but that's just his opinion. However, the only restriction is that she should marry someone who also trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the restriction. And that of course is a restriction which is true for all Christians in terms of the choice of um, someone who uh, who we would marry. Uh, why would you marry someone who does not share your first love? Why would you marry someone who will not encourage you as a Christian throughout your life? Why would you marry someone who is not going to help you to raise children to know and to love the Lord Jesus Christ? Why would you marry someone who would, uh, will not serve God with you? So if you're single and you're thinking you'd like to get married in the future, um, marry a Christian. Marry a Christian. Now these words, far from being um, negative in terms of having a, some kind of a negative view of marriage, are actually would have been very liberating to the Corinthian Christians who were being pressured in their church into abstaining from marriage because it was somehow thought to be unspiritual. These are liberating words from the Apostle Paul. And yet there is another issue at play in the passage. You see, although Paul rejects the Corinthians' reasoning for staying single, he actually agrees that being single can be a good thing. And not just because of the present crisis. What picture does our society present of the ideal life? Well, how about this? Happily married or partnered, as people would say, to a terrific person with children and then grandchildren and then great-grandchildren, filling the home and making you proud. That's a good thing. Uh, Families are a gift from God. But is that what we should be living for? Depends on the future, doesn't it? Verse 29... What I mean, brothers, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they had none. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. Now, when Paul says that the time is short, I don't think that's because that he thought that Jesus was about to return and so therefore you should cancel your wedding plans. We don't know when Jesus will return. <clears throat> but what we do know is that in God's plan of salvation, throughout the history of God's dealing with, with his people, that the... Um, uh, that after the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the very next thing in God's plan for salvation is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ in judgment. And in that sense, the time is short. That's the next thing that happens uh, on God's timetable. Uh, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, we're told that the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. And so as Paul says in verse 31, this world in its present form is passing away. That's the future. So therefore, how does that knowledge about the future affect the way that we live now? Well, although we may marry although we may mourn the loss of a loved one, although we might be happy, although we might own possessions, although we might go about life as we need to do, we are not defined by these things because we know the future, that these things will pass away. In fact, there is no marriage in heaven. I will not be married to Cassie in heaven. There's no marriage in heaven. There's not going to be the married couples' quarters and the singles' quarters. There's no marrieds and singles because we'll all be married. As the bride married to the lamb, as the church married to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so... What should be our concerns now? A friend of mine was a um, school teacher. Uh, He was in his 20s. Um, His name was Phil. And he was passionate about telling others about Jesus. Uh, Sadly, he died unexpectedly. He'd um, hit his head one day and had a brain hemorrhage and didn't wake up the next morning. A few days later, 150 students turned up at the lunchtime um, Christian group at his school to find out more. And one of my mates and I were talking about it uh, a few weeks later, and my mate said to me, he said, you know what? Reflecting on that, I've made a commitment to now make every single day count for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the time is short whether it's through our death or whether it's through the coming of Jesus again. And it is for this reason, in verses 32 through to 35, that Paul sings the praises of being single. Let's just have a look at a little bit of that in verse 32. In verse 32, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. And then he goes on in the symmetry that he uses in this whole section and says the same thing in relation to women. Now, God wants us all to be involved in doing the Lord's work, to be involved in ministry but the single Christian has greater mobility and flexibility than does the married person. Like Paul himself, I mean as a single man he could travel in the Mediterranean <laughs> when the, they didn't have jet planes and uh, cruise liner ships, he could travel the Mediterranean evangelizing and, and, and planting churches. Uh, many missionaries today remain single so that they can serve God in remote places. Uh, In fact, um, many married missionaries with kids find it very difficult and often have to be separated from their kids, sending their their kids to schooling in other countries uh, or returning um, back home um, during that period of life. This is not just about missionaries in hard places, though. This is true for all of us. Because we are all single at different times of our lives. Um, I was single for my first 28 years. Uh, we're single before marriage. Uh, we're single after marriage. Um, you know, if you're married, uh, likely that one is going to pass away before the other. And uh, we live a significant... <clears throat> half of us uh, uh, will li- live a significant time of our life uh, single post-marriage. Uh, or because we never marry. Now, in general, those of us who are single are more able to be involved in serving others. Now, it depends on other factors such as our health and other circumstances of life and so on, but in general, because we don't have to juggle family responsibilities, uh, we can be more involved in Bible study groups, in children and youth ministry, in visiting the sick, in caring for seniors, in evangelistic outreach and so on. If we're married, we devote ourselves to those things as well, especially if we don't have dependent children. But the point here is the practical point that the single person has greater freedom and flexibility. Now, it kind of changes the way that we think about marriage and singleness and life, doesn't it? I mean, sometimes I think that maybe we, we just don't value singleness in the same way that God does. Or that we don't make use of our singleness in the ways that we could and perhaps should. Last week, the American entertainer Doris Day died. I thought she was already dead. <laughs> I thought, what's going on here? But she was 97 years of age. How about that, eh? She famously sung a song about wanting to know what was going to happen in the future. What's the song, folks? And I'm not going to sing it for you. (laughs) K, sarah, sarah, whatever will be, will be. The future's not out. Well, that's not a song that we sing, do we? Because you and I know the future. This world in its present form is passing away. And so married or single, we hold loosely to the things of this world... So that we have greater freedom uh, to tell others about Jesus. For we know that this world and all in it is passing away. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for this uh, revelation from your word, uh, which speaks so clearly to us about the future, speaks so clearly to us about uh, present, uh, our present lives, And we pray that uh, whether we're married or single, whatever our status of life, that we would be people who are devoted to you and would make use of the opportunities that we have to serve you as we await the coming again of our Lord and Saviour Jesus. Amen.